This Seattle Medium podcast is sponsored by the Port of Seattle. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. The University of Washington Football Huskies are in the middle of one of their biggest seasons in recent years and are getting ready to play the Oregon Ducks in a Pac-12 championship game that arguably could be the most significant non-bowl game in Husky football history. With this morning, talk about the Huskies and the Pac-12 championship game and the Pac-12 in general is JB, co-host of Game Time Sports Talk. Good morning, JB. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Doing well and yourself? Pretty good. That's good. JB, first, let's talk about the matchup for the Pac-12 championship because there is a lot on the line for this game. Not only will the winner, especially if it is the Huskies, have the inside track of earning a berth in the college football championship series uh, as they are currently undefeated and ranked number three in the playoff in polling right now, but also there are some other um, significant uh, pieces to the puzzle as it relates to this particular game uh, for the Pac-12 championship, which will be its the last Pac-12 championship uh, with the Pac-12 uh, in the state that we know it right now. Yeah, the Pac-12 is dissolving. Uh, of course, that was uh, made official before the season started. Uh, that ball got rolling with USC and UCLA over a year ago, uh, defecting to the Big Ten. And uh, it's the state of college football at this point in time with all the money that's come in from the networks. Uh, really the NCAA has become irrelevant in regards to trying to police what's happening um, in regards to uh, conference reorganization and uh, the change in landscape, the, um, the configuring of the conferences. Uh, earlier this year, we, we saw uh, Arizona, Arizona State, uh, Utah and Colorado defect to the Big 12, which pretty much put uh, – UW and Oregon will be playing uh, later on for the Pac-12 championship in a pickle. And um, being <laughs> either they were going to uh, sit there and uh, be left without the funds that you would uh, receive uh, from a shared basis from the, the networks, uh, the conference, uh, the revenue sharing, or they would have to pick up and make sure that they were able to uh, uh, make sure that their uh, programs, their athletic department, continue to be funded by the football program and, and the basketball program. So uh, not a popular uh, move by uh, Washington uh, and, and Oregon to defect to the uh, Big Ten or take the deal uh, that was there, uh, especially leaving Washington State and Oregon State on the outside and basically leaving as the Pac-2, or as I call them, the Tupac. <laughs> but uh, you also saw uh, – 
is uh, crazy because of the geography. Uh, California and Stanford go to the ACC, the Atlantic Coastal Conference, Atlantic Coast Conference. So uh, the landscape will look different after this year. Uh, it's, these conference championships coming up this week, beginning with uh, Washington and Oregon, which I think is fitting because I think it's the fiercest rival uh, rivalry that was left in the Pac-12, and they're playing the final Pac-12 game for the championship uh, there in Vegas. Wow. It's been a, been a very uh, intense rivalry over the last 30 years. Um, <laughs> and, you also, and, uh, and I think that the last, really in the last uh, calendar year, uh, dating back to October of 2022, uh, these two teams have been right on par with each other. Uh, UW winning, Washington winning uh, both games by three points, uh, one in Eugene last year and this season early on October 14th uh, here at Husky Stadium. And so um, I don't know if Vegas, if the odds have it right, but I expect uh, more fireworks for this game and uh, – Somewhat bittersweet, if you know what I mean, because of the of the history of what used to be the Pac-8, then the Pac-10, and now the Pac-12. And we will not know, I guess, for the next three to five years at least, where the uh, landscape is going to be in college football and college athletics as a whole. Right. And you know, let's talk a little bit about the quarterback matchup uh, in this game, because Oregon's Bo Nix and UW's Michael Penix Jr., are among the front runners for the Heisman Trophy. Many believe that Penix had pretty much secured it after his performance against Oregon earlier this year, uh, but his lack of a of superhuman numbers in the last few weeks and the play of Knicks uh, and the Oregon team have put Nixon uh, as the favorite among those who like to debate such things. But certainly uh, this game is a showcase that probably will determine um, who – the Heisman Trophy winner will be as long as one of the quarterbacks or both of the quarterbacks have some spectacular uh, or edge-of-your-seat performances. Agreed. Uh, that's the way it was the first time they met earlier this season. Uh, since that meeting, which uh, Washington won 36-33, and uh, largely based on, on Penix Jr.'s uh, heroics there in the fourth quarter. Uh, that that beautiful throw to Roma Dunze was just. Uh, I, mean, I think that's a, you know, an all timer in regards to Husky history. But uh, since then, the the two have gone in different ways. Whether it's been from illness um, that was reported for Penix, or even an undisclosed injury, the numbers just haven't been there. Uh, in regards to comparison with uh, Bo Nix, Oregon's quarterback. And you, you speak of superhuman numbers, video game numbers, however you want to, uh, however you want to, you know, determine that, however you want to categorize it. Bo Nix has been the best quarterback in the last six weeks, at least from a statistical standpoint. And they've played like opponents. So it's, it's not as if they were playing lesser competition or anything of that nature. But uh, Oregon's been on a tear. Uh, since they uh, lost the, the University of Washington, Washington's been hanging on to survive. But that's what makes great teams. Uh, you know, teams that uh, find a way to win in the end and in adverse situations when the pressure and everything else is on the line. That's what UW has done all year long, and especially in the last uh, half of this season. So it, it really does uh, make for a compelling matchup between these two, uh, being everything that's on the line. You mentioned 
the Heisman Trophy Award. And I think that, uh, like I said uh, just a minute ago, I think that next is outplayed Penix uh, down the stretch. But I think a superhuman performance, as you categorized uh, uh, in this in this championship, would put Penix right there uh, in the offering to to get that award. I do believe, regardless of, of what does take place, he'll be invited to New York, but. Yeah, he'll have to absolutely outplay uh, Bo Nix on this uh, on this big stage in order to receive it. So everything's still up in the air. He, he doesn't have he, he's not the leader uh, as they were the first time they met. But uh, I think that makes for a, a, a very compelling storyline as well. Yeah, and uh, let's talk a little bit about how ironic it is that the Pac-12 basically is getting the respect that they thought they deserved over so many years from the standpoint of just uh, the national recognition, the, the respect that the nation has for uh, the conference, which really came into play this year and shows with the number of teams that were in and out of the top 25. You look at uh, Washington, Oregon, and where they're ranked. You look at other teams uh, in the Pac-12 and where they're ranked. And the teams they've been able, that Pac-12 teams have defeated in non-conference uh, play as well. Um and it really uh, is something that is very ironic because, you know, next year all these teams will be dispersed in different conferences. Are they getting the respect, though, Chris? Um, <laughs> we can say that they are. I mean, it, we had, what, as many as eight ranked teams at one time in the top 25, but the Pac-12 has been brutal to each other. Uh, not only do they play each other more than any other conference or any other Power Five conferences having nine conference games where Big Ten and the SEC uh, will play only eight. Uh, we haven't had an undefeated uh, champion out of the Pac-12 since uh, the Pac-12 was incepted. And so that's a, that's another historic thing that's on the line for the University of Washington. But to your point, and uh, in, in talking about the respect, it, this has been a, a, an up year uh, uh, for the Pac-12. I think maybe because of the the times where when it was the bowl championship series and uh, Oregon had a couple chances at the national championship, um, they went and fell on their face or they were embarrassed by, you know, SEC teams, Auburn, uh, for instance, and others. And, and so it probably gave the, uh, the Pac-12 a bad reputation from a national standpoint um, when, when you had the college football playoff. Washington was in it in 2016. Uh, but thoroughly outplayed or outmanned by Alabama. And so uh, I think that's probably where uh, the reputation has preceded uh, the conference in regards to the strength of the teams that come out or that end up winning the championship. And the, and the fact that, yeah, like I said, that because they, they keep beating up on each other, they, they haven't been able to come out of this conference unscathed. So with this, and, and when I said, if, are they really getting the respect they deserve? Uh, uh, you know, it wasn't just until a couple of weeks ago where uh, the University of Washington has you know, the, the resume of defeating what five ranked teams uh, during this year finally uh, jumped uh, Florida State with the victory at Oregon State. Um, and, and Florida State's uh, schedule is, is pales in comparison. Uh, to what the University of Washington went through. Uh, Oregon's been right there knocking at the door, waiting. But even with the conversation that's, uh, that's come up 
to the other conference championships, uh, there's still the narrative out there. If Alabama beats Georgia, how do you leave the two-time national champion on the outside uh, in? And so, you know, somebody might be left out uh, in regards to that if Alabama is one of the four there and, uh, and, they, and they take Georgia as well and have two SEC teams, which means depending on what happens with uh, not only Michigan, uh, University of Washington and Oregon, and also, of course, uh, with Texas, uh, it makes for a quandary. It's going to be interesting to see what happens on Sunday with the selection based on uh, these conference championship games. So I don't know if we've ever had a, a more compelling conference championship weekend and, and with University of Washington and Oregon right there being in the mix. There still are scenarios depending on how this game plays out and that there's a, a chaos you know, factor where you have a lot of upsets or a few upsets, a couple of different upsets in these conference championship games that both Washington and Oregon could get in. But um, this, the, the, the narrative has always been that, you know, it's the SECs and the Big Ten uh, first in line for those four spots. And um, it'll probably continue next year when the, when the playoff expands to 12 teams. But uh, it's, it's interesting the way that uh, – uh, the perspective has been uh, on West Coast football over the last decade or so. Yeah. Well, those will be some significant upsets because some of these teams are playing some of the Sisters of the Poor uh, in a championship game, which is just <laughs> ridiculous. Um, and the Pac-12, you know, they restructured how they did their championship game. So, you know, you're no longer getting a pass in that. So, but uh, quickly um, talk about two things. Uh, first, okay. uh, the Deion Sanders a little bit because – he was a talk of college football to begin the season, but once they got in the conference play, the results were disappointing. And while this is not an excuse, but the reality is, and we just got through talking about that, that this was really the wrong year to play in the Pac-12 if you're trying to resurrect and rebuild a football program because the conference is so strong and everybody's beating up on each other. And then the other thing is, you know, regardless of what happens in the Pac-12 game and whichever bowl game or bowl games that they compete in the season, you know, what are your thoughts about the future Husky, of the Husky football program especially considering that they'll be part of the Big uh, Ten next year? Well, uh, that's loaded. Uh, number one, uh, just looking at, uh, at at Coach Prime, as he calls him, uh, I thought he was highly successful, even though uh, the win-loss uh, record would not, would not say such. But he did take over a program that had only won one game, uh, the previous year, and he started out on fire in regards to getting wins and ended up with four, but you have to have six to be bowl eligible, and they weren't able to do that. But determined, based on the on the, on the the structure of, of how college football is with NIL, which is name, image, and likeness, that money coming to players and the transfer portal, uh, the backup in regards to eligibility, uh, you know, super, super seniors being there because of the pandemic and, you know, the, what happened with COVID. Um, we've never seen anything like this uh, uh, before. And, 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 again, with the transfer portal and, um, and NIL coming into, into play, it basically makes for just free agency all over the place. Uh, so regards to uh, uh, how he performed, uh, this year, I, I would say that, you know, again, the win-loss record wasn't there, but the way that he played uh, the current state of college football, uh, he might have set a blueprint in regards to attracting talent, 
uh, through the portal and recruiting. Um, the exposure that he was able to get off that. I mean, he was, he's been named Sports Illustrated uh, Sportsman of the Year, uh, you know, through all this. And I don't think that it really hurts him as much in regards to coming to the Pac-12 because uh, here they are going to the Big 12 uh, next season. And so that's going to be uh, interesting there as well. So, and, you know, the Coach Prime effect is, is going to be interesting because it's going to be it'll be curious to see how coaches and coaches' personalities uh, attract, uh, you know, recruits it, it to this point. So uh, I don't know if that really answers your question to uh, – for, for that uh, that hellscape, but uh, I think I think that Coach Prime it, it was successful uh, regardless of the win loss record. But I think that uh, that will turn itself around too as he attracts more talent. All right, well, JB, I want to thank you for joining us on today's show. I uh, wish you the best uh, in all your future endeavors. And we appreciate you, uh, Chris, and uh, happy holidays to you and your family. And congratulations to the Seattle Medium and their. Uh, sports staff. Again, I think you, you guys did an excellent job covering football uh, this year on all levels and uh, maybe for another national award. Congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it.